Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Jay Wynn Rusick. We're talking about Please Write. That comes out on November 7th. I really enjoyed uh, this conversation with Judy. Uh, her book, there It Involves Dogs, is the main character, and I'm such a dog person. And so I was really, really excited to talk to her about this book. And plus, also, this book was a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect to, I didn't expect it to affect me the way that it did. But um, either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Jay Wynn Rusick. So today we've got Jay Wynn Rusick. We're talking about Please Write. That book comes out on November 7th. Um, Judy, thank you so much for joining me today. I This book was a pleasant surprise. It was really easy to get through because it was like, you know, the, it was in the form of letters. And so it was super cute, like going back and forth. And I, I was surprised like that by the end of it, you were tugging at my heartstrings. So I'm excited to, to dive a little bit deeper today. Yes. Well, that's what I was trying to do. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah. Um, so can you start off by giving like a little um, summary of the book so that uh, listeners can follow along with the conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the novel is called Please Write. It is an epistolary novel. It is written entirely in letters. There are three correspondents. Two of these correspondents are dogs. And the <laughs> dogs are Winslow, a noble, sophisticated, very literate Boston Terrier. And Zippy, a puppy, a terrier mix, kind of a ragamuffin, who is rescued off the streets of Baltimore. Winslow and Zippy correspond with Grandma Vivian, a Cleveland artist. There are also three secondary characters. The correspondents often write about these secondary characters. They are the dog's owners, Pamela and Frank, whose marriage is unraveling, and Pamela's mother in Cleveland, who is facing increasing health crises. And despite the humor of letter writing dogs, um, Please Write is aimed at an audience that the publisher, Bancroft Press, pegs at age 16 and up. And that's because although the book has a lot of humor, particularly stemming from Zippy, um, it ultimately delivers a distinctive account of hoping of coping with heartbreak and loss through the power of imagination and love. And I think that's what uh, sort of grabbed you at the end. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> a little bit. It was, yeah, because you can kind of, I don't know, I guess you can kind of see where it's going towards the end, but I think just it's those last few pages that really like, it just really hits you a bit harder than the rest of the book. So I just wasn't expecting it. And I think, like, I thought I knew what, what I was expecting, but then the way that it, you know, it was delivered, the way that you delivered those last moments, like, we're, we're just like, oh, like, shit, like, I wasn't, I just wasn't expecting it to hit so hard. So yeah, it, and it offered, you know, like, different types of, I don't know, it was just, we'll get into it, but it's just really interesting seeing it from, like, the, a dog's point of view, right, and their innocence, and a, and a puppy nonetheless, right, <laughs> like, yes, mostly. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. You know what I would love to do? I've I've listened to a number of your podcasts, and I don't know if you ever do this. Oh, thank but you. I would, I would love to read the opening letter because it yeah. really sets up the book. Is that yeah? Okay? That's, that's totally okay. fine. Oh, good. Okay. So <laughs> this this letter. So I'm a theater critic by profession, and in plays, you always want to start a play on a day when something unusual or different or unexpected happens. And uh, I find that works very well on stage. So that's what I did with this book. Mm -hmm. And this first letter 
is from Winslow, the Boston Terrier, to Grandma Fifi, and they have had a correspondence going for quite some time. This is his letter to, to Grandma Vivian. Dear Grandma Vivian, you know I only write if something is amiss. With considerable dismay, I must inform you there is another dog in the house. Frank brought home a puppy. Why? This is a perfectly contented one-dog household. The puppy arrived here dirty and shivering in the small hours. Pamela and I were asleep when Frank came into the bedroom, turned on the light, and deposited the muddy pup on the bed. Pamela sat up, none too happy, and told Frank to get the puppy off the bed and out of the bedroom. And what was he doing staying out until this hour? And where was he? And we cannot keep that puppy. And some other things I didn't catch because I followed Frank and the puppy out of the room. Frank gave the pup a bath in the basement wash tub. It wouldn't stop whining and whimpering. At one point, it jumped out of the tub and shook dirty bath water all over me. The indignity. <laughs> Pamela and Frank need to locate its owners. Soon. I have enough to deal with trying to keep things on a steady keel around here. We do not need a superfluous auxiliary animal. It's not even a Boston Terrier. <laughs> Yours, Winslow. P.S. The selfish, scruffy pup has already eaten my dinner, stolen two dog biscuits, and decimated my favorite tennis ball. <laughs> I, I tried to read that in a serious tone, befitting yeah. a serious dog, <laughs> who also, as you can tell, has has quite a vocabulary. Yeah, it, it's really funny because you know, we can like, you know, the readers can sense like the difference in the tone and the the writing style of the three correspondents. And, and yeah, Winslow, he was just like... You know, he, he was a proper gentleman, or as, as uh, you describe him in the book, or self-described proper gentleman. He's just like, what is going on? This is absurd. <laughs> like, what? Like, oh, my God, this is an emergency. What is he doing? Like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. And, then, and it did. It did open up. It set the stage for sure. And it opened up, you know, just to kind of give readers a good sense of, oh, gosh, like, okay, this is usually like a happy little occasion, like a new puppy exciting, but the other dog is not he's like absolutely not why this is not gonna happen this is not working like and then you know <laughs> like following days he's a poor little guy has to have some some patience you know <laughs> um, so yeah you mentioned your background as um you know theater critic can you kind of expand on that and maybe kind of like what led you to uh releasing this book or, or starting on this new project um, sure. So uh, I was the theater critic for the Baltimore Sun uh, for 23 years. And uh, I took a buyout in 2007. And a week before I did that, um, the NPR affiliate in Baltimore, WYPR, called me and asked me if I would like to do reviews on the air on radio. And I have been doing that ever since. So 16 more years. Um and most of my training and experience is definitely in theater reviewing. I have taught theater reviewing. I think that there are certain things that I learned from watching so many plays. I reviewed more than 3,000 plays for the Baltimore Sun. Um, I, certain things that were very applicable to um, novel writing. And uh, there are other ways in which it's, it's, it's quite different. Um, the biggest thing that's different is and the thing I love the most is that in fiction you get to make things up. It's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Did you find that um 
were there any big lessons learned the first time around? Because it's like, you know, congratulations, it's your debut. Um, how I just kind of want to explore that experience for you. And if, if there was any like big lessons learned, things like that. Well, um, one of the other things that's very different between um, being a theater critic for a newspaper or a radio station and writing fiction, uh, I found, particularly after I left The Sun, I had spent my entire life working on deadlines, tight deadlines. Mm. You miss that deadline. There's a blank space in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I had a very, very difficult time convincing myself that my made-up deadlines were real deadlines. <laughs> um, I really I couldn't do it. I mean, I still had deadlines for the radio station, but um, I'm only on the air once a week, so it mm-hmm. wasn't the kind of heavy-duty schedule. And a friend of mine, someone else from the Baltimore Sun, who had written a good bit of fiction, was a member of a writer's group, and she kept saying to me, you should join this group. And so I, I did. And the very first day, one of the members, this is a very old writer's group. They've been together for probably two decades. And one of the founders said to me, one thing I can tell you is if you join this group, you will finish the book because, (laughs) you know, once a month or every six weeks, I had to turn in 15 pages. And um, another thing in, in newspaper work, because of those deadlines, you get to a certain point. And even if that article or that review, that interview is not at the point you would like it to be at. That's it. It's mm-hmm. done. And Too you bad. move on to the <laughs> Whereas in writing in writing fiction and sort of, you know, there even with certain deadlines, um, I always think everything I write could be better. And uh so, you know, I could I in fact I was afraid to read the book through when when I finally got the hardback copy. <laughs> Um, But I I decided it was it was okay. But I had had this story in my head for a long, long time. And it was a story I I really wanted to tell and characters that I really wanted to share with other people. They were characters that had gotten me through a lot of tough times and I thought might be able to do the same thing, largely to provide solace for readers so I was very, very motivated by that. Um, it's interesting that years and years ago at The Sun, uh, I had done a bunch of playwright interviews, and there were no books, no collections of playwright interviews, particularly mm. of American playwrights. And I thought, well, I should write this because it would be helpful to me. And I got an agent, and I needed a grant to be able to have – I'd interviewed a lot of playwrights, but I wanted to interview more, and some of the Interviews were a while ago, so I wanted to bring them up to date, and I really needed some time away from the paper to do that. And so I applied for some grants, and then I just sort of let it go. And one day I was in a bookstore, I think it was the drama bookstore in New York, and there on the shelf was a a book of interviews with American playwrights. And it was interesting because, you know, I might have thought, oh, darn, I missed that opportunity. instead, (laughs) Instead, I thought, Oh, thank goodness. Someone came out with this book. I really need this book. That was, that was not at all the case with this novel. I, I really was never in fear that, oh my gosh, if I don't get this out quickly, someone else is going to write an epistolary novel <laughs> with two dogs as correspondence. Um, so that, that really wasn't a danger. But the other thing that happened to me is that I have a colleague, uh, another theater critic, who I did a lot of teaching, particularly at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut, which has a National Critics Institute. And I taught there for more than two decades. And one of my fellow faculty members liked to say that theater criticism 
was the last bastion of firsthand reporting. It was like covering a fire because there are so many prefab media events. You know, there mm-hmm. are photo ops and there are press conferences. But reviewing a play, you're reviewing what's happening right on that stage, right in front of you. And you're trying to give the reader um, a chance to sort of understand what the experience is like for you sitting in the theater seat. Mm-hmm. So I had done a lot of reporting. And I really wasn't sure I could write fiction. I had written a novel as my senior honors thesis in college, but that was a while ago. And I had written some short stories, but could I tell this story and how could I tell it? And so I called a playwright whom I had a very strong professional relationship with, Paula Vogel. She's the Pulitzer Prize winning author of How I Learned to Drive and Indecent and The Baltimore Waltz. And in fact, I was the first reporter to interview her right after she got the call that she'd won the Pulitzer Prize. So I I had a, a good relationship with her and she believes anyone can write a play. She has taught workshops in prisons and for boards of trustees and for military veterans. And a while back, she taught one for the media. And she taught this in Washington. I think I was the only Baltimorean there. And she was very, she's very much a sort of get down and do it sort of writer. And, And she summarized her philosophy in the morning. And then we had, I think, an hour and a half lunch break. And she assigned us to write one of three short plays. We could write a play about a dog. We could write a monologue or we could write a play that was impossible to stage. Mm -hmm. So not being someone who takes directions well, I combined the three and did a dog's inner monologue. (laughs) And in the afternoon, I had a chance to read that. And at the end of the day, she came up to me and she said, Judy, you know, you could do this. And I thought, well, that was very, very complimentary, but I, I know how hard it is to get a play produced. <laughs> I thought, I know too much. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> but then when I was thinking about leaving the sun, it was very important to me. This is before I got the call from the radio station. It was very important to me to have something I was moving towards, something I was going to do that was different. And uh, I wasn't sure if I could do that different thing I wanted to do, if I could, if I could you know, churn out this novel. And I called her and uh, told her I was thinking of leaving. And I said, Paula, after all these years of writing about what is happening right in front of me, I don't know if I have any creativity left. But if I do, I think you're the person who could find it. And she was just so gracious and generous. She was chairman of the um, playwriting, graduate playwriting program at Brown University back then. And she is, I'm from Baltimore and she's from the Maryland suburbs of DC. And she said, Southwest Airlines has a dozen flights a day, round trip (laughs) flights. You can commute. And I did. And I think more than anything, the year that I spent there contributed to the format of this book so much so that I can't imagine having written this book any other way. Yeah. Well, that's so funny that how 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 creative do you have to be to like try to just one of those prompts is like try to write a play that can't be staged like how do you even <laughs> where do you even start especially from someone like you you've seen like you know hundreds of plays and you've had to like you're not there you're there for partially for entertainment but you're there kind of 
keeping that critique, looking at it through a critique's eye, like in mind. So I imagine that would be like super difficult for anyone, let alone someone who's like been in the industry for, from that lens for like such a long time. That's so crazy. That's fun though. I, I imagine she probably got some interesting uh, submissions for that project too. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I liked the way, like I'll, I'll be honest at first when I first started like reading the book, I was like, Oh, this seems kind of silly, but you know, it's, it's easy to read and it's cute, you know, so I'll get through it. But then that's when I was like, Oh my God, like this is getting kind of heavy. Like it's getting a little serious, like towards the middle and towards the end, you know, I was starting to take it more seriously. Like, as I progress through the story, I really enjoyed Winslow. I like what you did with the characters. Um, I kind of explore that. Like, was it challenging or what was like, you know, how did you get in and out of the zone of like the headspace of writing from a dog's point of view, a puppy's point of view, and then back to like, you know, a grandmother, uh, a grandmother's point of view. Cause I imagine, you know, you, you did some switching back and forth with the corresponding letters. So like, how, how did, how did you kind of approach that? Well, in my head, they always had very, very distinct voices. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, so I never, they never got tangled up or confused in my head. Um, of course, one of the tricky things is that Zippy's a seven month old puppy. She's barely house trained. She's <laughs> certainly not literate. And uh, Grandma Vivian suggests that she pay attention to the newspapers that are covering the floor, that she try to learn to read the headlines, which worked for Winslow. So part of this is setting up a system or a set of rules that you stick to so that even if it is something that seems really off base, the reader buys into that. And I guess there's a, a little bit of magic realism or maybe a little bit of fantasy, um, but I stuck to the rules and, and yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully that helps the, the uh, reader stick with it. But Zippy um, starts out just, uh, I should say all these letters are typed. They're, they're mm-hmm. not doing handwriting. That's, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I also right. very much wanted them writing letters because talking dogs was just a little too twee for me. You know, it was just, I didn't want something cutesy, um, sure. because I did know where I was taking it. But Zippy, when she is learning to write is just, especially when she gets upset about something, um, will just hold her hand down on the electric <laughs> keyboard and you'll get no turns into, you know, a million N's and a million O's. And, yeah. And Maybe, uh, you know, every, every, uh, number and symbol on the keyboard. And a number of my friends and colleagues, because I'm on the radio said to me, Oh, are you going to do the audio book? And I thought, <laughs> No, I can't do the audio book. I don't know how to read these pages of gibberish, you know. Uh, and I must say, the publisher hired a wonderful, wonderful actress named Nancy Dulapala. And she came up with the different voices and a way to do all this gobbledygook. And she does clever things I would never have thought of. For example, there are some song titles in some of the letters. And she sings the song titles, which never would have occurred to me. Never would have occurred to me. I probably should mention, too, when you're talking about um, theater criticism, Pamela, the secondary character of Pamela, is surprised a theater critic. So, um, uh, and there are a lot of references to theater in the book. Edward Albee is mentioned. Shakespeare is mentioned. A number of musicals. Annie, which has a dog yeah, in it. Yeah. Uh, Will Rogers Follies was a musical that came out a number of years ago and had an entire dog act in it. And they were yeah. all rescue dogs. So, so that figures into this. I thought, yeah, I thought that was really cute where Zippy's like, wait, is it the same Annie that's got a gun or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> but it just speaks to 
to like it adds to her character her innocence and like her night her like how naive she is she's still learning about the world and um not just like the rules within her environment but like you know the bigger picture of like human you know human creativity and human problems like where she gets curious about you know political events and uh well current events and news and the political parties that you know about america because it was set in like the early 90s correct right so that was like was there um i know you kind of touched on this in like the author's note at the end can you talk about like kind of why you chose the setting that you did um well the time the time period at all oh sure yeah it starts in 1990 it ends in 1993 And I deliberately wanted a time period before email, text messages, and cell phones became prevalent. They were all sort of around a little bit, but they weren't being widely used. And uh, so I I wanted typewriters. And uh, I thought this was sort of the last time I could get away with that. And I also, I just, I love, as much as I love dogs, that's how much I love letters almost as much. (laughs) So it was a way to bring the two of them together. And what you were talking about in terms of Zippy, there's a way in which I want the reader to sort of see things occasionally through her eyes and have that veil of innocence lifted startlingly a few times. She takes everything literally. Yeah. So at one point, Pamela's father, who has died before the book starts, was a dog judge. That was his hobby. And at one point, uh, Vivian writes to Zippy that um, Pamela's father would really have gotten a kick out of her. And Zippy gets so upset because why would he why would he kick the dog? And what kind of judge is he? And she didn't commit any crimes. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a lot of explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's so it was adorable. Those parts were just like, oh, that even the grandma Vivian, she's just like, oh, gosh, OK, yeah, I have to go into this a little bit more like like nobody's going to kick you like, no, you didn't commit a crime. Like, it's OK. It's just a saying. And it's like a whole nother. Yeah, a whole nother line of like, you know, how do you explain in like a colloquialism to a dog? Like, how do you explain? Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes she'll mean? just say this. This is an idiom. And then she'll realize she has to say, maybe Winslow can explain what an idiom is to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. Like, how would a dog explain it? (laughs) Kind of something I wanted to touch on. Was there any research involved? Because I know, like, you know, you, I think you said that, like, you know, that you draw from, like, your own personal experiences to kind of integrate those elements into your character's or is there anything that you had to, you know, you had to do a little more research on, like get a little more information with maybe, was there anything that you were fascinated or surprised to learn during, you know, while you were developing this story? Well, I am a researchaholic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so I, and sometimes I realize I can use research as an excuse not to actually get down or do the writing. <laughs> but um, we moved during the period I was writing the book and I thought, well, I've probably accumulated about a a good decent length shelf full of books about dogs, Mm -hmm. novels about dogs, poetry about dogs, books about training dogs. And um, this shelf was at the bottom of a bookcase with, I think, about four shelves. And I filled all four shelves and there are piles of books in front of the shelves and inside <laughs> the shelves. So it's, it's sometimes a matter of, of stopping doing the research. In terms of the time period, I went back over old newspapers. I wrote with calendars in front of me and I would look up what was on the front page of the papers 
mm-hmm. on that particular date. So the Gulf War figures into this. If any of you remember um, President Bush, the first President Bush, uh, well, it's no polite way to say it, throwing up some broccoli he was fed in Japan. This is something that just delights Zippy. Um, but that happened during this time period. So it's serious things and also things that would just tickle a puppy. I did that kind of research. I found out things that I, I never expected. And probably the most surprising is that Thomas Mann's daughter, Elizabeth Mann, who was mainly somebody, she lived in California, and she was really an expert on maritime policy. But she taught her English Springer Spaniel to type. <laughs> And this was on national news. It was on national network news. And uh, I, I'm kind of glad I, I didn't find that out until I'd finished a couple drafts of the book. But nowadays <laughs> on Amazon and probably in other places, you can buy these big buttons that dogs or any animal, I guess, can can press and spell things out or one button might mean treat. Yeah, um, so I've seen I'm very those. glad. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen them at work besides the Elizabeth Mann thing, but um, I'm glad I, I was ahead of that. Uh, That's development. Right. <laughs> <laughs> A real guiding. I mean, I don't know of any other epistolary dog novels, but um, one book that was a real treasure for me and that I kept on my nightstand all the years I was writing this book uh, there was a New York newspaper columnist named Don Marquis at the early part of the 20th century. And he had a column that was called, I believe, Archie and Mehetable. Those were the characters. And Archie was a cockroach and Mehetable was an alley cat. And Archie was also somewhat of a poet and he was the typist. And these columns were very popular at the time. And uh, people either know of them and are very fond of them or they, they think really a typewriting cockroach. But, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was it was very inspirational to me. And in fact, at one point was turned into a musical. It's like all my careers came together at once. It was turned into a musical starring Eartha Kitt as the alley cat. Uh, <laughs> it was called Shinbone Alley. It did not last long. I hope someone will revive it because I really, really, really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where do you even start with that? I don't know. That's such a funny concept. But yeah, like you said, you're ahead of the curve a little bit. So you're, uh, I so I guess then, you know, people, readers who are more familiar with um, those, like, uh, you know, the theater uh, history industry, um, some of the like, unconventional prompts or ideas. And, and I know that um, some of this is described as uh like a dog's journey, um, for example, which I've never seen. So maybe if like I was fam- or, or I've read, cause I think it's also a, a movie and a book from what I've understood. Right. So yeah, right. I'm not, yeah, I wasn't really familiar with that. So I'm wondering like, Oh, maybe like I would have some, I wouldn't be going in cold Turkey, you know, like into reading your book. So I'm thinking that people, uh, readers who are familiar either with the theater industry, um, and also with that, those that like subgenre, so to speak, would definitely, you know, they wouldn't um, encounter that barrier. They'd be able to just be like, to just hop right in. So, but no, going back to the George Bush thing, I didn't know. I knew I heard that he hated broccoli. <laughs> I didn't know that he legit threw it up like during a, <laughs> an international visit, like somewhere. That's horrible. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, poor him, but poor everybody else who had a like kind of clean up that mess and, and probably try, try not to be offended by that. Like, or, Oh, and then I loved how he was talking about, she was talking about um, 
she was asking about like the presidential dog, the first puppy or the first oh, yes. dog yes. at the White House yes. and yes. things like that. Yeah. And then she wanted to write to the White House and it, like things like that. It was just so, so adorable. I did like, it was so funny though, because then you kind of like, you get little sprinkles of a uh, Winslow here and there. I'm like, oh no, Winslow, what's the matter now? Like, <laughs> well, and I tried to, the book has many components. It has uh, the start, the first chapter of a children's book that Pamela is writing. And it also has about a half dozen recipes. I was listening yes. to uh, your conversation with the author of, um, is it the, the Bakery in Paris? Is that yes. the right title of yeah. the book? Yeah. So these recipes, I won't say too much about them, but they are all recipes of food for dogs. And uh, they are all tested. They're tested on people as well as dogs. And in fact, there there's some biscuits. I think they're called holiday biscuits. They're made with Parmesan cheese. And when I did that uh, particular recipe, I made a lot of them in different shapes with different cookie cutters. And we live in a neighborhood with a lot of dogs. Okay. And I would walk my own dog, Juno. In my pocket, I would have baggies, which each baggie had one of my cards with the cover of the book and one of the biscuits. And I have to say, um, all the dogs seem to like them quite a bit. Uh, my husband and I like them enough that we think we could serve them as hors d'oeuvres, maybe with, <laughs> with a little something on top, a little cheese cracker. And the meatloaf recipe that's in the book is now our family meatloaf recipe. <laughs> that's so funny. I know I did forget about the the recipes and they do add like a nice little touch. I do enjoy those. I think I bookmarked most of them because I feel like, because I have a dog and she's like, she's like nine and a half, but um, but yeah, I was like, oh, maybe I should make, you know, I could make these. Cause yeah, like the ingredients are so simple that they're definitely like edible for humans too. But, oh, yeah. you know, we're just used to all that sugar and stuff. <laughs> so it just depends a on. Of, a lot of them have milk bone pieces in them. So you may want to leave that ingredient there out. You if you're gonna yeah. Eat it. But <laughs> yogurt treats are the easiest one to make. Mm. And um, yeah, you can do some people ones that just have peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or I know because I like we we use yogurt, but we usually have like vanilla. So we would have to do like the non the non flavored or unflavored. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I remember the the recipes. I thought that was so cute. Um, and it, yeah, and it I just thought it was cute, you know, because it's something the dogs is like a little project that they can help her out with. And even though poor Winslow has to act quick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to you know snatch them up before they get stolen um so this one's a two-parter what was the most what were the most challenging parts to write and then the most enjoyable parts to write the ending was the most challenging part and this book went through many drafts but uh the ending went through many more because it was very 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 important to me that there be a pretty sizable element of hope at the end because I am writing a book that I hope will show ways to get comfort when you're going through intense grief. And I really believe that finding hope, finding something to look forward to is one of those ways. Another of those ways, of course, is the comfort that you get from dogs or anything. <laughs> that was challenging. And yeah, I think that I think that was the most challenging. I think that really was the most challenging. I didn't want it to come out of nowhere. And mm. I didn't want it to completely, you know, lay the reader flat. So yeah. it's like, wait a second, like, where's that little, you know, yeah, the, the hope, like, you know, it depends, like, with the genre, like, people want a happy ending. So you're like, okay, how am I gonna, 
how can I do this type of thing? Right? Well, and I, I have to say that one of the blurbs that we got for the book, it's on the back of the book, is from a funeral director. Mm. And it it meant a lot to me that she really got what this book was was trying to say in that respect. And I've had people write to me, some of the people who were able to buy this book at the at the early launch, um, and say that it has helped them. So that's just that's just the greatest gift. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, what the most uh, enjoyable parts to write? I think writing Zippy's letters was, was the most <laughs> enjoyable. I mean, she's just wacky. She's completely off the wall and she has an extremely short attention span. So yeah. that, and she does take everything literally. Um, and um, seeing her start to mature. And I do have the feeling that uh, particularly under Winslow's tutelage, even though he gets exasperated, she is going <laughs> to continue to mature and she takes on a bunch of jobs. Frank gives her her names for these jobs. She's yeah. Pamela's research assistant, and she's Pamela's mother's uh, registered nursing terrier. And uh, she's starting to do therapy classes to go into like retirement homes. And uh, I, all that is going to continue when when uh, after the book is over. And I think she's going to be good at those things. But I also think she's she's just She's just a fun little creature. She's, yeah. you know, I don't know, 15 pounds of fur-covered happiness. <laughs> and so uh, writing that was was a lot of fun. She is fun. I just, yeah, it's just the puppy in her, right? Where she's, where like grandma's like, you have to be a good girl. I know you could be a good girl. Don't run off. Like, don't, don't bark so much. And like, everything's okay. Like, like, you have to share with Winslow. Don't take anything that's not yours. Like, don't. <laughs> Vivian is definitely, uh, she's the voice of reason, but she's also very much the um, grandmother that spoils the grand dogs. Yeah. Zippy can almost do no wrong. In fact, I think she writes that a few times, can do no wrong in her eyes. And and she's not going to scold Zippy. Um, Pamela and Frank can do that. Yeah, <laughs> that it, I know that's so true. It does remind me of of that because you know, I have two little boys. And so that's definitely I, I do have some experience like seeing my parents and my in-laws as grandparents versus parents. It's just like, oh, yeah, like they I think my husband said even one time, like our child, our children could be screaming like all day and they would be like, oh, they were great. Like it would. <laughs> and I'm like, it's so true. Like they there's a whole it's like a different level. Right. Because they're just like, oh, you're you're perfect. You can't do any wrong. And it's the, but exactly. the parents would be like, nope, nope. OK. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little earlier about what people, the feedback that you got. What do you, um, what do you hope readers get out of this story? Well, I hope they get a lot of laughs. I hope they find parts of it very, very funny. And I, I hope that they find that it helps them cope with hard times. Uh, that really was the, the underpinning for the book from the beginning. And I also hope that Maybe some more dogs will be adopted or people yeah. will bring dogs into their household. So many dogs were introduced into households during COVID and so many of those are being returned. Mm. And um, I mean, life is so much richer with a yeah. pet. And uh, so I, I hope it'll help in that sense. And hey, I hope more people will write letters occasionally because emails <laughs> are just not the same. 
No, no. Yeah, there's something special with getting something in the mail, like addressed to you. And it's, yeah, it's like a loss. Like, it's like a pastime that you kind of almost take for granted. And, you know, it's, you miss it for sure. But I'm right there with you. I am such a dog person. I'm a sucker for like every dog that I meet, like, and and they all know it. I feel like I give off that energy too. I'm like so excited to see that, like, any dog. Do you have a dog? yeah, yeah. Her name is Aria. She's about nine and a half years old. She's a mix. Um, but she, you know, she's like mostly German Shepherd and Lab Retriever. Um, she's got a, like a hound, a little, um, Staffordshire Terrier, like the bull, um, the pit bull breed in her. Mm-hmm. Very little. Um, she's got like a little beagle in her, but she doesn't look like her <laughs> color. Her colors, she's like skinny. She's like medium sized, but like lanky, but her colors, you could see the German Shepherd and, um, I don't know when she, she can howl. It's so funny to see like what, what traits comes from which jog. I'm like, Oh, that's the hound right there. <laughs> like that's, but you know, and yeah, oh, yeah you I, mentioned her that you might make her some treats. Well, I hope you will. I hope you, yeah. she sounds great. Aria she she should be singing. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> well, we, we tease, we, my husband and I kind of tease her and call her a brat because she like, she, you know, it's like the, the clock strikes, I think. Cause she goes, when I, we drop the, um, my son off with my parents during the week, we also drop the dog off. So she like, cause if we're working or we're in the office or we just, you know, she can be there and my parents love dogs too. So they're all, you know, they're fine with it, but they, ha- she has them trained where it's like, okay, at, like with the clock strikes a certain time, she starts bugging them for a treat. Like, okay, where's my treat? And the same thing, like now she knows like kind of to expect it at home. She kind of is like, okay, Hey, where's my treat? And we're there. <laughs> like, do you need water? Do you want to go outside? Do you, what do you want? Like, okay, I don't want to, like reward bad behavior because you're just bugging us for a treat like so it's just kind of like one of those things but she's a you know she's a good girl she's sweet she's very patient especially with the two of our kids because they're like almost three and six years old so um you know they're still small but it's it's just really funny i think when the first when uh they were first born um i didn't know she had it in her but you know like dogs know they're like they're like pack animals right so they kind of they understand like oh it's a new like pack member it's a new family member so she but they they would like crawl on her and and not be as gentle as they should with her like as when they were much younger and she was she would just like be so patient and she would kind of just like give me this look like okay are you gonna do anything like <laughs> but no she's yeah she's great and um you know she would she would be my running buddy too sometimes as you know depending on depending on the weather because if it's the weather's not great she can be a little princess and i'm like i'm no we're okay i'm not taking you with i'm sorry <laughs> well, i think yeah, it's great I, for kids to grow up with dogs that's great yeah absolutely you know my husband didn't grow up with dogs so he doesn't um quite get that like sentimentality about it but if it were up to me I, we'd have like four dogs but he's like <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of like ready he's barely open to having a second dog but we still have like so many kids toys where I'm like, uh, you know, like maybe let's wait a little while until some of these smaller toys, like that will eventually become chew toys like that are like no longer, you know, around. Oh, cause yeah. Cause it reminded me of Pamela. They were trying to use that, um, sour spray or whatever, the sour goo and it did not phase Zippy at all. <laughs> like, no, Zippy was happy to chew right through that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I like, yeah, no, and I, it's a whole companionship thing. Cause that's why I'm like, you know, I'm a dog person. So I totally like understood the companionship of it and, and how those pets like, they are like family members. They help you um, get through things and they can feed off your energy. They can feed off your mood and they can definitely sense it. Um, you know, and cause Pamela, she was going through some hard times 
and Zippy's just like both Zippy and Winslow are trying to like they're they know what's going on kind of they they know what's going on they don't know why you know they can't quite figure it out they're like why is Frank not back yet like Pamela was was vacuuming again like you know it's it was like some of those things where it's it's I could definitely sense that it, it was it's those parts seem realistic like yeah I could definitely see animals kind of if they could put it into words this is like how they would be saying it and then I'm like I don't know what would my dog say if she was (laughs) writing letters I don't know she'd be probably be like oh I need I don't know like can we go for more walks or like you know the kids are like (laughs) driving me nuts and you know things like I don't know I don't know if there's like much seriousness going on with her these days other than just kind of being an, an, a little older, older little dog, older woman, because she's like, she's getting up there in the double digits almost. So um, no, but I, I get it. I really enjoyed this book. So a last couple of questions. What, um, what advice would you give to Winslow? What advice would you give to Zippy? I think that, um, I think I would tell them both when in doubt, what would Vivian do? Yeah. Try to figure out what Vivian would do. In fact, I would say that to to Pamela and Frank as well. I think she is is a guiding light in this book, and uh, I think that when the characters sort of heed what she has to say, they're on a a pretty smooth path. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not saccharine at all. I, at least I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> she has her tough side too. Right, um, but she's. She is the the voice of reason, the the voice of uh, rationality, and mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that's what I would tell them. What would Vivian yeah. do? <laughs> that's a good that's good advice. So, you know, just like kind of stay the course a little bit, like kind of refer back to those words of wisdom, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so, Jaywin Rusek, what is next for you? Are you working on anything that you could talk about? Are you kind of just gonna take your time and and ride the waves of this first debut? It's sort of yes to both those questions. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of events lined up with the book. In fact, you're in Chicago, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm going to be teaching an epistolary writing workshop at the Skokie Library. Okay. Uh, at That's the exciting. End of yeah, I think that'll that'll be a lot of fun. I'm calling it, wait a minute, Mr. Postman, putting <laughs> your stamp on the art of letter writing. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Um, so I, I hope it'll be fun. And I'm I'm going to Cleveland. The publisher wanted me to go there because part of the book takes place in Cleveland. But I do have another book that I started working on simultaneously with Please Write. I'm working on a book of linked short stories. Um, right now I'm calling the book El Dorado, and I've been working on it actually with a fellow writer. And it takes place in a small town on the west coast of Florida. And the El Dorado is the name of a 1950s era motel that's been converted into a 21st century condominiums. And all of the characters at some point um, pass through the El Dorado motel. And of course, this won't surprise you. One of the stories is about a dog. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a story called Off the Track. And uh, it's about a retired racing greyhound. Um Dog races were a big thing in in Florida. I think they've done away with them, thank goodness. Um, but I, I would like to get back to that. A couple of those stories have won awards in Florida publications. And it's obviously very, very, very different from Please Write, but then isn't everything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? You know, and you want to you wanna, uh, 
you know, stretch those muscles a little bit and, and, you know, go, go further, go beyond your scope and, and fly farther and see, you know, cause I think you do have a knack for it for sure. Like you had, I mean, you have, you know, uh, writing skills with right, you know, critiquing theaters or critiquing theater works, but also kind of stretching that and just trying to transferring those skills to other genres, to other mediums, to other forms of, of entertainment for sure. And so, you know, you can do really well with that just from, from reading this one. And, um, also that, like, that's so exciting. That's cool. I think short stories are so fun too, because you could just kind of like, um, you know, put it down, pick it up. It's easy for people who maybe don't have a lot of time to read, a lot of time to devote to like just getting really super invested in a longer story. And so I, I found that like the more collections I, I get my hands on, the more I'm enjoying it. And cause they, you know, they always leave you wanting more, but that's the point, right? Like they're short stories. You're well, supposed to kind of like, I actually, you know, I was hoping letters worked a little bit that way too. Mm-hmm. That you can read a letter or two and put the book down for a yeah. while, come back to it, maybe read three more letters. And, yeah. and, um, cause a lot of the letters are sort of mini short stories. Yeah. Yeah. They're super cute. <laughs> it would, no, that was easy. And I feel like I, I think actually I did read this in about a day just cause it was, it, it was easy and, and it was like relaxing and it was like cute and it was engaging, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with dogs. So that's why I was like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Like, come on, Zippy, you got to get your act together. Like, <laughs> So, uh, Jaywin Rusek, please write that comes out on November 7th. Um, where can we find you online? Like website, you have a website and social media? Yes, I do have a website. It's uh, jwynrusick.com. I have such a complicated name. It's <laughs> J-W-Y-N-N-R-O-U-S-U-C-K, jwynrusick.com. I'm also on X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> uh, my handle is at jrusick.com, and I'm on LinkedIn. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We'll include the, all those good links in the show notes so people can check oh, great. it out. Great. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Thank you so much. It's such a fun conversation. Like I said, adorable book tugs at the heartstrings, like you wouldn't expect it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll keep an eye out for you if you want to come back with the other stuff you got going on. Um, you know, you're always welcome. Thank you very much, Megan. And now, um, I'll say this to you, but to everybody who listens to this, go pet your dog. Yeah. <laughs> And tell them I said hi, right? (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you. And there you go. That was Jay Wynn Rusick talking about Please Write. That comes out on November 7th. Uh, Check out the show notes for links where you can find her online and where you can buy the book. Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on social media, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. Read my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. And, you know, if you do enjoy these books, go ahead and hop on over to um, Goodreads and Amazon and give them a rating. It really does help the authors out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.